0: Hello, my name is Daniel Lev Shkolnik, and this is Reenchantment, a podcast about finding wonder in a secular age. My faith lies in humanity, not the supernatural. And if you believe that spirituality is fundamentally about cultivating the human spirit, then this podcast is for you. Today, I have an old friend back on the show, Mike Myers. For those who remember, he did a few early episodes uh, with me when I was just starting out. In many ways, we are very similar people, very like-minded, and I think we're going to start doing uh, more episodes like this where Mike and I get together and talk about different aspects of spirituality, religiosity, the occult, and how they intersect with a naturalistic worldview. And now without further ado, my conversation with Mike Myers on the intersection of magic and art. All right, Mike Myers, welcome back to Reenchantment. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this a lot. You had brought up a starting off point to, to this talk uh, a quote by the singer of Tool, Maynard James uh, Kanan. and yeah what is that quote? He says somewhere in an, in an interview if you don't believe in
1: magic at some level be it God or whatever then your art is gonna suck <laughs> which I think which struck me as a really interesting perspective I think historically, it's there's there's a lot to be said about it, and I think that there's a lot to unpack there. So I had I brought that up to you.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a bold claim. It, it's a very bold claim. <laughs> um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's and when I read it, it I I didn't know what to what to think about it at first. I felt like I, I had to sit with it some. But something, it, it felt like it was getting at something uh, mm-hmm. that I, as, as an artist, uh, understood intuitively. Mm-hmm. There was another quote that you, you brought up afterwards by Theodora Adorno mm-hmm. that I felt was a really great compliment to it. And w- what was that quote?
1: Magic, or pardon me, art is magic freed from the lie of being truth. Yeah. Which is a beautiful line. Absolutely stunning. Adorno is a very difficult writer, but he can be a very beautiful writer as well. But there's something to it. There is some relationship between art and magic. And I'm using magic in a big sense, right? Religiosity, in this case, would count as... And certainly, I mean, my background is in music, certainly in the history of music. Like, uh, musical notation was developed for religious reasons a lot of the history of music is bound up with the history of the church in, for 10,000 different ways. Mm-hmm. There's something, I think, about devotionality and the search for transcendence that's built into the arts, the sort of longing, a certain uh, yearning for a world that's otherwise than
0: this one, that, that needs to be there. Yeah, because it's art is not just representation of the world. Like it's it's not yeah. just trying to give a blueprint and like this is exactly how the everything looks exactly as it is. There is that component of yearning, and it it made me when I read those quotes and when I was reflecting on them, it brought me back to I think why I wanted to become an artist in the first place, why mm. I started creating pieces of visual art writing mm-hmm. it's to create a world that is, that is other than this one mm-hmm. and many of my favorite pieces of art whether they're movies or pieces of animation or books mm-hmm. kind of they change the, re- the reality of, of that, that I exist in or, or, or rather allow me to imagine a different reality and inhabit it mm-hmm. even, even temporarily yeah yeah no I I absolutely agree
1: and furthermore I think that there's a transformative dimension right I mean I think that we go into listening to a piece of music or or looking at a piece of art and ideally where we come away from that experience somehow being transfigured or somehow being changed there's this idea of art as being this ennobling force in in humans that I think is it's a very classical idea, but it, but I think it survives to this day. Furthermore, Adorno also says somewhere that we need art because nature fails. <laughs> right, natural beauty isn't isn't enough for us. Huh. Natural beauty, he says something like art keeps the promise that nature breaks, something like that. Interesting. So there's this idea that that's not a direct quote, by the way. That's a that's kind of a paraphrase. But he he. Why can't we just go up to the national park and get our fix? For certainly, we do get get filled with with nature, and certainly we do get something out of, out of that experience. But it's it's true that it's not enough, right? Mm-hmm. This this world doesn't provide doesn't provide the images and the it doesn't it doesn't fill whatever longing
0: is is there in in our humanity. So we make things in order to do it. Yeah, it, it brings to mind, I've thought a lot about the difference between films uh, and animation, so mm-hmm. live-action films versus animated ones. And I I love animated films, mm-hmm. and i thought a lot about you know, why. What, is, what does animation give that like a real, real-world action film does not? And it's it's an element of well, it's the, it's the difference between, in some ways, a photograph and a painting. Mm-hmm. There is... the painting and the animated film feel to me closer to the imagination. Yeah. And the, the, the film is, is truer to life representation of reality. Mm-hmm. But in that, something is... It, it, it's further from the imagination. It's further from the, our internal world. Yeah. It's further from expression.
1: Right. I mean, if if you just think about dreams, for, dreams are, are certainly not representational in any conventional sense. And I'm trying to think of my dreams right now and, and trying to think of, is there, how concrete are the things in my dreams? I'm not sure, honestly. But there is this ability for animation to produce its own sort of internal form and logic that is distinct from the real world. I think that there are ways that animation doesn't, I think that there are, there are genres that animation can't capture as well. Like I think that, that horror anime is never quite as good as a horror movie Mm. because you need that like, like representational like impact. Yeah. There are certain things like that, but, but it has to do somehow with with form and how form fits together and how that how this is getting very abstract I apologize
0: <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's hard it's hard to keep it from getting abstract because we're dealing I guess we're dealing with abstract you know yeah, notions and, and, and yeah mm-hmm.
1: but it's sort of alternate ways that if you design if you design if you do storyboards or something for you you are let's say you want to pick the triangle as the you're going to be using a lot of triangles and you're going to be using a lot more triangles than are in the real world and so right. you you have you have this element of form that is that is going to set that that imagery apart from the real
0: world in a certain way mm-hmm.
1: but it's still going to be coherent yeah
0: what i mean yeah and I guess, bringing it back to, to the uh, original quotes, that, that in some way, let's say, uh, talking about Maynard's quote of you, you need to believe in magic in some capacity or else your art's going to suck. Because I, I guess w- what, what he's getting at is you need to understand, if you're just r- representing the world as it is, mm-hmm. it's, that's kind of shallow art in yeah. a sense, or, it's, or it's, it feels thin. And then what is really missing there is that element of the internal inner world, the imagination, the, the dreamscapes that live within us, mm-hmm. that infused into art, infused into the representation of the world, almost like superimposed upon it, or, or even like smuggled into it, that really resonates with with us as human beings because i agree it's it's in a way it's it's speaking to the truth of both worlds both the external world Mm -hmm. and our internal world at the Mm -hmm. same time and i mean i would i would propose yet another
1: reading of that quotation which is that to be an artist and at some level is to be childlike Mm. right and derrida mentions when asked about prayer he says if i pray then my prayer is more than one age right there's mm. a there's a small child in me that believes in in god and who's up in heaven and all of this and then there's an older me who's read nietzsche and and freud and has has a very different perspective and so there's more than one age happening at work in that mm. prayer and there's something about being able to access that 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 does believe in in fantastical things right that doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have the sort of iron grip of reality plugged into its brain that there's something about that that i think brings out brings out good art a sense of playfulness a sense of being able to color outside the lines and also just the childlike hope that the work that you're doing can can actually be transformative to the world around you and to yourself and to you, you imagine this piece of art that you make as a kind of talisman that you can, that you, that you, that is a catalyst for, for positive change in them, which is a little ridiculous maybe. But at the same time, I think every artist has to believe that at some level, Mm -hmm. that there's some, some transformative potential built into their art.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and or that's also at the the core of uh, of magic. Magic as as transformation of yep. the world, whether external or internal, kind of alchemy uh, mm-hmm. of words and symbols, mm-hmm. and yeah, and and that transformation. It's some some people view it as a kind of real world social transformation. Yeah, you know, but you can also and oftentimes I what I hope for my art is that it's changed the internal world of somebody else that I, I oftentimes i aspire to really like give almost as a kind of guided visualization or meditation mm-hmm. through through some of my writing or poetry like like this is what the world could look like yeah. to you and that's that's definitely what some of my favorite films and and books have done for me mhm sure i think that that's one of the markers
1: of great art and i think that the question of what happens to your art after it leaves your studio or whatever you make it is always a thorny dangerous question right Mm -hmm. because some some people are more protective than others of their of their vision of their intention of their ideas but in the end like that protectiveness is is so futile like there's nothing that there's there's nothing that you can do you could the best you can do is the best you can hope for is that like it plays in the in people's minds and like it 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 triggers things but but you do hope that that I hope that when somebody listens to my music that that I'm taking them on a on a specific kind of journey and that that in a way that can can bring them in touch with parts of themselves in a way that can be transformative in a way that can be I mean almost ceremonial right mm-hmm. I I always tend to look at art very much, and I think art and mysticism have a lot in common as, as well too and I guess in in this conversation mysticism kind of falls under the domain of magic but but there's there's there really is the desire to bring out the best in your listener or your viewer or your your poet maybe maybe things link together in their head that you never even thought of that that are a big revelation for maybe there's something in their life that they can that they can work through or maybe there's a moment of empathy right where what you're feeling when you're writing something is what they're feeling and Mm -hmm. then there's a way in which all of a sudden you don't feel alone yeah what i mean Across kind of time and space, you don't feel alone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Carl Sagan had this quote that books are evidence that humans can work magic. Yeah, that it breaks the shackles of time, and we Mm. can commune or 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 think and feel pretty much the same way as someone uh, that lived a hundred or a thousand years ago. Yeah, and I think that that's a that's a powerful thing it it's something to to real like like all all of our our hopes for the existence of of magic for the existence of of spiritual and mystical forces at least all of my hopes I, I find in in many ways satisfied by art yeah I don't think that I can dissociate
1: what I do as an artist from my spirituality if If there is such a thing, I write when I feel sort of called to write. It's a very vocational sort of experience. I write is it writing music or writing music? yeah. Yeah, it's a feverish, don't stop until it's done. And I have I typically have a very clear picture. All of it, it feel it's like feels like it's like i'm not doing it it feels like it's mm-hmm. coming through me or something instead oh. of flow instead of <coughs> channeling yeah, yeah it feels like it's being channeled which is not uh i don't want to freak out your audience and say that i believe that it's being channeled because i, I don't but it's very like
0: it. But that's how it feels yeah right and I think I think that's a that's an important point because I think that's really what undergirds so much of the of spiritual religious, magical belief is that we we experience these things and we've been experiencing them for hundreds and thousands of years mm-hmm. of whether it's ghosts or possessions or or moving changing things with your mind and your words and it's what kind of is evidence for it or maybe like where where these these concepts emerge is a sensation of of internal feeling yeah and and so it's it's not just to, dis, to, to, to discount this entirely i think is to discount a a very real human internal phenomenon mm-hmm. and and to cut out let's say magic and spirituality and all Mysticism and all that uh, that encompasses from one's life is to cut out pretty, pretty roughly a large part of the human soul or the human essence. of sure. What it means to fully experience your life as a human being.
1: I agree, and I think when we put, I think as as artists, it's dangerous to try and put too much of that process under the. Under the under the rubric of conscious reason, dangerous. I mean, for the art, I, I don't think that that's how the best art is made. Whenever I've tried to sort of reason my way through a piece of music, it
0: might it might suck. Yeah, it, it
1: doesn't it doesn't. So there's there's. It has to come from. It feels like it comes from somewhere, and, and it's probably the subconscious. Right? I was I
0: was gonna say, yeah. Like when when people, right? When people say that it comes from outside of me or from from some other realm, even when talk when people are talking about a religious phenomenon, I, I translate it in my mind as, oh, it's coming from your subconscious. Mm. It's coming from a part of you that doesn't feel like you yeah. because it's not part of your frontal cortex. It's not part of your ego. Yeah, and it feels. Oftentimes, I, I think, like, if you if you go on a on a journey outwards into the cosmos, into into the other spheres of reality, mm-hmm. I think that really what's happening is you're you're going on a journey inwards Very. to yours to your unconscious.
1: Very probably. I mean, I I don't know. I am not at a point in my life where I can talk confidently about about people's experiences in that way but I think I, I, I would generally agree with you. I think that generally speaking, like I have no idea if there are other worlds or certainly not if they've been accessed by people through, I mean, I've had experiences with, with psychedelics, can I say that on this? <laughs> um, you, you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> I've had experiences with psychedelics that are that are difficult for me to rationalize Within a
0: scientific materialist framework, right? Mm-hmm. And I, 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 know exactly what you mean. And I, I had a guest on who, who studies psychedelics, you know, in, as a as an academic, as a philosopher, really. And he, he he had a very interesting way of putting it that I really like. It says like about eighty percent of the time, sixty eight percent of the time, I. I can vouch for materialism. Yeah. Like, that's the way that I live my life, that's where I would put my bet if I had to put down money. Yeah. And, but then the other 20, 30% of the time, like, he doesn't know. Yeah. And, and I've similarly have had, with psychedelics, those kinds of experiences that, that for me make up, I, I would say, like, the 10 to 20% of the, of, of, of my, my doubt or wonder about, like, maybe, maybe there is something Beyond the material yeah. that we, at points, have access to, sure,
1: or at least beyond what we think the material is,
0: yeah, um, it could it could it could very well be the 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 natural realm has all these these aspects and dimensions that are quite natural, but we just haven't understood and 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 incorporated them into our physical understanding of the universe.
1: Yeah, and what I'm thinking of specifically is my relationship to time, and and I think that. That that's one of the first things that people tend to be struck by, with when they do psychedelics for the first time, is how like strangely time seems to. But I've had experiences where things seem to go into fast forward mode, and I don't know if I can explain that. Like I don't Mm -hmm. know. I can't imagine what my brain could possibly be doing Mm -hmm. that that presents that phenomenology. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it 's not like i 'm actually moving faster, and it 's not like the world is actually moving faster, mm-hmm. so how am I somehow getting ahead of the world or am I behind the world or am <laughs> I like right, right like is i i can 't make sense of of that experience without some kind of subjectivist tinge to so I always have it 's what gives me maybe not only that but but things like that give me pause. Before and I think your your friend who said sixty to eighty percent of the time is probably right. Like I I'd probably be even more generous and say that like probably ninety percent of my experiences I I'm comfortable going with some version of scientific materialism. But like there are ten percent of ten percent of the time and it it it's usually things involving consciousness in one way or another where the world seems to all of a sudden it, it, that theory seems to not hold up right, right, uh, right. and i get why we why we pre- presuppose it to do the sciences and i get why it's solid and internally consistent and it's totally possible that that brain states can can account for everything that i've experienced like that's mm-hmm. that's totally a possibility but it's also the case that that Nothing about, nothing that I know about neurology and the neurology of psychedelics can account for that kind of phenomenon, Mm -hmm. right? And it doesn't mean that I have an explanation for it.
0: Yeah. There are ways in which we know there've been psychological studies where we know that the brain perceives time differently in different circumstances, whether yeah. it's bored or engaged. Mm-hmm. Like how how we there is seems to be like a a ticker in, in, in our in our minds yeah. that measures the lengths of time. So so like I could I could totally see that that being that fluctuating and yeah. and the like. But then again, right? There, there are certain certain things that I'm I'm not entirely sure that that's the only thing at play. But that has to
1: be relative to things outside of yourself. You would think, like it can't have free like 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 there has to be a certain point at which I really am moving in relationship to the car, and there's some speed differential between me and the... and I don't know. Maybe it's weird to have. Everything, when, when you talk about a ticker in your brain, it's 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 weird to have everything speed up. It's weird to have everything slow down. It's weird to have everything appear the same speed, but but very drastically not be. Like, you check your watch, and it's like a half hour later, and you feel like it's been 10 hours or something. Right, right. Like, all these sorts of experiences that we have on psychedelics where, where, where time seems to, to bend. and Right, and,
0: right. And, and yeah, abs- absolutely. And I was just watching a, a video recently on YouTube, visually representing general relati- relativity. Yeah. And the the struggle there is how do you represent the bending of time? Yeah. Because that is a physical thing that we know happens; we can measure. And and it's it's actually a fascinating video. Maybe I'll link to it in the, <laughs> in, the in the podcast notes. But it, it it goes to show like this this stuff, time really does bend and really is fluid. And I guess the the thing that well a lot of especially a lot of New Age thinkers and and uh, advocates they like, they say like look physics says the exact same stuff like time bends and it and morphs and all the like and I guess I w- what I always kind of uh, retort with is like there's there seems to be a difference between physical time and uh, perceived psychological time.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a difference between the phenomenology of time and the physics of time. Yeah, definitely. And. And one step further, it is not, there are certain conditions under which time bends, right, right, in physics. Mm -hmm. And one of those conditions is not taking acid. It's just not, it's not the same thing as
0: going a third the speed of light or like it's a different it these are different realms right <laughs> and what, what, what is the the water is that we use many of this many of the same words and language uh mm. to express both the physical and the the internal emotional realms
1: yeah, yeah yeah that is that is difficult i don't know i'm sure there's some analytic philosopher out there who can who can parse these kinds of things out and make them clearer but i mean like Kant for instance thought that time was just something that our brain imposes on the and that reality itself is atemporal <laughs> and that model it sounds out there but it's it's very very thoroughly argued <laughs> and it it accounts for a lot of phenomena that are difficult to account for otherwise and and it makes me makes me wonder about about someone like like good old Kant. If he maybe he was right. Maybe there's maybe there is something about some kind of special connection between consciousness and time that 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 isn't there in the absence of brains or whatever, right? But
0: well, let, let's 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 return back to, to back art. to magic and art. Yeah, yeah. We, we went we went on a on a on a trip. Let's say <laughs> a, we went on an adventure, <laughs> on a journey. But yeah. I, Talking about psychedelics, I, I think in relation to art, mm-hmm. I think that's part part of why a lot of artists are are drawn to to these these states, these substances, and these states is it allows us to enter into the well the very the very kind of like raw heart of, of of our internal worlds, and that's where art comes from.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I think that people are drawn to psychedelics. For myriad reasons, I think that people are drawn to art for myriad reasons. But my intuition is that there is a link. If you look at, I I I'm always struck by like mandalas and stuff like that. Always strike me as being as being very reminiscent of imagery that I see when I close my eyes on mushrooms or something. So there's it's it's very likely a cross cultural experience to, or it wouldn't surprise me if if there if it was people doing ayahuasca on retreats and stuff like that the idea being to to somehow connect to some piece of yourself that's been discarded or ignored or even or even the ability to step outside of the rules of conventional reality to... a certain extent and and kind of take it very often that's been my experience with psychedelics of like like okay the world is over there now <laughs> and i'm here and i can rest <laughs> finally right like i'm not caught up in in all of not only am i not caught up in it i if i tried to be caught up in it I, it, it would be like
0: like, like <clears throat> in fact if, if you if you try and reenter the world and do stuff like you regularly you would do while still in the grips of the the journey yeah it's that's a that's a recipe for disaster <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it's not gonna
0: happen so i mean you you
1: have to let go of everything yeah. which is which can be a very restful thing i think it can be a very scary thing for some oh, people yeah. too terrifying because your your comfort zone isn't there but but there is something there's a there's very obviously
0: a connection between psychedelics and and magic it's not an accident that it's been a part of of magic, whether it's mm-hmm. shamanism or, or even modern forms of of using psychedelics in in ceremony. Yeah, like it's it's that's where that's I think it's pointing also to again like my my theory of like both art and 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 magic <laughs> are pointing to this the inner world like. They psychedelics like bring us to this world and both the artist and the magician so to speak find what they're looking for there because it's kind of the same thing
1: Yeah, that is true I remember talking to a Wiccan high priestess and uh, she showed me a very fat bag of mushrooms <laughs> and she told me a parable about a Buddhist monk who sat on the shore of a river for 20 years, meditating, until finally he could float across the river without... And he got to the other side, and he saw the Buddha, and he said, said, look how awesome I am, I just levitated across the river. And the Buddha said, well, why didn't you just take the ferry? <laughs> and that was her wisdom to me with regards to... to... Why didn't you just take the mushroom ferry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can... It's been said that you can achieve these kinds of states in the absence of psychedelics just by through meditation and through spiritual work that hasn't been my experience I have achieved other kinds of but not necessarily the same kinds of states as, as, as psychedelics which makes sense because you don't have some external agent hijacking your nervous system right like it's <laughs> a, but I've, I've just been told that you can you can have these kinds of deep Profound psychedelic-like experiences through meditation, and it, the search for that. There is something about the search for some, some higher realization, some higher way of being, some and and a maybe more sustainable way than you would find doing
0: psychedelics. And that's that's kind of the, the hope, right, of, or at least of those who are advocates of, of like, the, the slow, the slower way, working within a spiritual, religious tradition. Ram Dass, for example, he has his big thing after dropping acid with, with Leary and, and, and the others for so long. He wanted something that was permanent, that didn't, you, you didn't have a come down. You, yeah. you never never returned to base reality, but retained this other state and i think he i think he found it in he went to india and he studied with this spiritual teacher and i think what he found and i obviously can't speak for his internal experience but was something that was less extreme mm-hmm. in terms of his perception of the world that he had it wasn't as extreme as the lsd but it was more consistent yeah and in that i guess is is maybe the the, the The hope or the promise of of those who 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 go the long way around the river
1: sure and I mean part of that i don't see how you can undertake that journey, that sort of mystical consciousness raising journey without in some way being involved with it because the arts in some way express the same longing for altered states or altered ways of being mm-hmm. it's not a surprise to me that so many so many artists end up doing psychedelic drugs and so many people who do psychedelic drugs like play guitar right and even in their most like degenerate like people who who I don't want to single anyone out but, but jam band kids who who like go from festival to and aren't really following any kind of spiritual they're just kind of it's just like kind of a psychedelic hedonism right Mm -hmm. even in that kind of form there's still some connection between between psychedelics and there's still some kind of connection to the arts and there's still some kind of longing for some other something than than the world as it is and i wonder if those if those spaces, if those festivals or fish shows or whatever the, whatever the kids are doing these days, are aren't representative of some kind of, or some kind of gathering place where you get together, Burning Man or like, right, it, does right. that take the place of of, of a spiritual? Tradition
0: Uh, gathering, gathering? yeah, Yeah. or
1: even traditions can emerge through that.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great question. I was speaking with somebody back when I was living in Boston who is who loved, yeah, who loved going to to raves as places where where people are going and searching for this these experiences. It's like the, in some ways, the epitome of art. It's it's not only like you're going to see artists. Both like musicians and um, many times visual artists are there too, and like the stages are, are are insane. But also, you are participating in art. Like your world becomes art. Mm-hmm. You you see, you touch, you interact with things in a way that you are inside the painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so this is actually something that I've I, I've written about and and thought a lot about religion as art. Mm-hmm. So rather than art as an expression of religion, rather than art as like a replacement for religion, religion itself, whether let's say Christianity as a form of art mm-hmm. or or Kabbalah in Judaism as a form of art. Mm-hmm. And particularly what form of art it is, it the, the medium is reality itself. Yeah. And you're changing, by adopting a r- religious belief, in a way you're changing reality around you. Mm-hmm. You're changing, if you're a Christian, your perception of, well, uh, sometimes, you know, the the metaphysical realities. What lies up above, what lies down below, what lies after death. Sometimes you feel as if angels are, are in the room, guiding your hand. The world is changed through your adoption of this religious belief system.
1: Yeah. That is true, and not only that, not only internally but externally. I think of there's a beautiful passage from from Aleister Crowley, who is just shitting on Southern evangelical. He talks Al- about Aleister Crowley for those that don't know, he was uh, he was a ceremonial magician who liked to troll the press and got a reputation for being. Like a child murdering, awful psychopath, but he he was really, he was a mercurial person. But he wrote a lot about the occult and he wrote a lot about mysticism. And he's he's an interesting guy and a good writer. I mean, I notice you, you've got the
0: necklace from the Thelemite necklace. Yeah, yeah, which which he he invented that symbol.
1: He didn't invent it, but it, it's 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 associated with him. I'll gotcha. put it that way.
0: Gotcha. The
1: his he has a beautiful passage where he talks about. The distinction between the slick genteel southern baptist with his white teeth and his suit and and tie and you think of joel olstein someone like and then he compares that to who i think it was saint jerome who spent 40 days in a thorn bush and like saint francis of assisi who's like plucking maggots off of his like sheepskin clothes and and thanking god for each one and Crowley is using this to make a point about about this sort of he wouldn't say it's about capitalism and religion because he doesn't tend to talk about capitalism as the issue didn't 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 weigh on his mind I don't think but to me it's very apparent that this is this is about the commodification of religion right like Mm -hmm. someone like Joel Olstein or even Pat Robertson or whoever these people are selling you and so but the reason i bring it up is because is because christianity as an art form when you say that like the first thing that thinks that i think of is that little excerpt from that essay cuz it's here's here he's juxtaposing these two different ways of
0: being christian as an art like b- being the art form of and, and, and the um, and the aesthetic that is associated with that Yeah. right like the the suit the white teeth the, the clean living and versus a a kind of well, a monk-like existence mm-hmm. like get, getting into the, the the dirtiness, the blood the the getting close to the grid of the earth mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I guess there's it, it it points also to the to the fact that well let's just stay say even within Christianity, there are so many different ways of of expressing that theme, that form of art, mm-hmm. different styles oh, yeah. using the same texts more mm-hmm. or less using using the same supposed God you're aesthetic of being can can vary very very widely and then talking even across looking yeah. at, at, at a in- Inuit versus a Japanese monk versus someone in the in the Sikh tradition mm-hmm. there there is both an external difference in aesthetic but also how they perceive the world mythologically speaking is is different They're, and their place in it and their place in it, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the the philosopher that that I was kind of uh, drawing on for for this this analogy was Deleuze. Yeah, Gilles Deleuze. Yeah, where he was basically he was talking about the problem in philosophy is that they've been doing philosophy for like a thousand years plus, two mm-hmm. thousand, three thousand, and we still haven't seemed to really gotten to an answer. Yeah. And 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 it seems like to me religion has a, a very similar problem where like. Yeah religion has been around longer than that and we still disagree so profoundly on so many things. Yeah. It it may be more useful to think of it as a form of art rather than a science of truth.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's something to that. And I think there's something about it's a very Nietzschean notion, but the the aesthetics of the self. It's it's a question of how you discover your discover who you are. But it's also a question, it's a productive question of how you bring yourself into being, right? How you're continually bringing yourself into being and how, in in relation to what, right? And, which is why I like, I mean, we did an episode where I talked about my relationship to the occult and it's why I like that, like the syncretic approaches to religion where you can just kind of cherry pick the bits you like and kind of discard the bits that you don't and like that there's no contradiction there, Mm -hmm. right? I like that approach to religion. I don't feel any problem with that. There are plenty of Christians who would who would accuse me of cherry picking, to which I would say yes. Yes, I am cherry picking. And I'm quite happy to do so. Thank I lo- you. I love cherries. I, d- I do. I don't, I don't have a problem reading the Christian mystics and being deeply moved by it. Mm-hmm. Right,
0: and not going to church, and outside. not going to church.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, like I don't feel like I have to accept the whole thing. I think that so much of, certainly so much about what magic and the occult is about is about cultivating a sense of devotion and cultivating a sense of of aspiration to transform yourself to 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 participate in your own becoming. I guess you could say. And to shape that through your will, and to me, that's what in a much narrower sense, that's what what the word magic is is
0: sort of all of, in your own kind. Yes, pretty much okay. in a conscious way. Mm-hmm. right. and And so th- that involves how how you how you speak, how you move, how you how you act. absolutely what world you live in, what values you live by. What story and narrative you tell yourself about yourself? Yeah, yeah, and, and in fact, that 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 bit I've been thinking a lot about recently. The as as a writer, narrative is something I think a, a bit about. But recently, I've been thinking about it psychologically as well. And there's a, there's there's narrative therapy where the whole point is examine the stories you tell yourself about yourself. Which which of them are are dis- disempowering? Mm-hmm. Which of them are holding you back in certain patterns? And, and it, it goes to show it really underlines the importance of those stories we tell ourselves, mm-hmm. both the the disempowering ones and the empowering ones. And if we were to take up the pen and, and really take responsibility for our stories, stop living whatever narratives have been imposed on us, whether by our parents by you know politicians uh, by our friends mm-hmm. or by ourselves and take on take up the pen and start to to edit or rewrite or reconceptualize mm-hmm. your own story that that opens up a whole whole you know range of possibilities yeah. and and i think in terms of magic in terms mm-hmm. of taking taking that as as a serious way of engaging with the world You know, as bringing Nietzsche again, like you know, he said, take your life and make it into a work of art. Yeah. Like recreate the the narrative, the aesthetics, the 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 very feeling of what it is like to be alive as a human being for you. Take that into your hands and make something beautiful of your life.
1: Mm -hmm. It, the, I mean, the famous thought experiment is that if you had to live your life over and over and over again, eternally, Mm -hmm. and you found this out without changing would you be happy or sad about that. Right. That idea of the eternal recurrence, I wouldn't wanna live my life twice more, much <laughs> less you know Eternally <laughs> eternally,
0: over and over. That sounds like but, but it but it but it brings up a good point, right? Yeah. Like like if you had to the, the difference between living your life eternally over again and living it only once in, in a sense the stakes are are, are, are huge and high, pretty much the same thing really. Yeah. If you only have one shot, like, why, why not risk mm-hmm. everything on it? Why not try and live the most beautiful, you know, amazing life that you, you could? Whether it's, what is it, the difference is unbearable uh, lightness of being, where mm-hmm. you live only once, or unbearable heaviness, where everything you do is repeated forever in the in the kind of back and forth of mirrors of of eternity Mm -hmm. like the stakes are equally high
1: yeah yeah that's true and they're equally unbearable yeah (laughs) and i get why people have notions of of the afterlife under those conditions because the stakes all of a sudden go down (laughs) It's, it's a lot easier to
0: it's a lot easier to deal with like with the idea of of things continue but not in the same way
1: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't you you haven't fucked up like forever like no matter what you've done you haven't you haven't screwed the pooch indefinitely you didn't have one shot you've got you have all the time in the world to work on yourself and there's something about that that's that like like i get it right i get it and maybe it's right maybe there is an afterlife i don't i don't know i have you yeah,
0: have. of course. Then, then it depends w- which afterlife do you subscribe to, right? I
1: have no idea. <laughs> I don't subscribe to any of them. i This is this is something that I'm. This is a question that I just don't
0: dwell on. I'm yeah, sure. and I think I think that's that's I, the response. I think of the the Buddha as well. Like when people were asking him, like, wh- yeah, hey, where does responds. everything come from? Like, where does everything go? It's just like, it's not. Those aren't the questions.
1: <laughs> yeah, he would very often literally just not respond he would he would just continue to sit and someone asked him why didn't why didn't you give that man an answer when someone approached him with a question like that And he said he was looking for some kind of theory and I don't teach that that's not what I teach the way out of suffering right
0: Mm. and a theory like that sometimes brings you into suffering (laughs) yeah
1: yeah I mean I think that the traditional Buddhist idea would be that that those are all abstractions that you have to let go I mean I'm pretty sure I'm gonna die. I'm pretty sure. But whatever whatever happens after that, I have I just have no I don't even understand how people can can claim that they that they know what that's gonna be like. Like I
0: through through a great deal of, of artistry. Yeah, I get But
1: even people who who We'll say that you just go in the ground and and stuff like that should sure, that's what we and I get that that's what we observe, but that's obviously not an answer to the question right that's right. sidestepping the question right I don't know how you could how you could even begin to get across get across the veil to to get a peek at what it what it would be like it's to me it's just a foundational mystery that that it's kind of cheap to answer it.
0: Yeah. Uh heard, I think, Jamie Wheels say, like, let's keep the mystery the mystery.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. I think right. that I really try to make room for mystery in my life, right? And, and there is no bigger mystery than you know, what happens after you die. And in the first, not mm-hmm. your body, like, we know what happens to your body when we, when you, but in the first person, what's that first person perspective like? And And does that, continuity of consciousness persists somehow, or somewhere else, or something like that. Certainly a lot of intelligent people have thought so throughout history, and I think it's fundamentally mysterious. And I mean, one step further, I I think that part of art is mystery as well, and I think part of magic is is about is about trying to revivify the feeling of mystery in the world for for the subject. Yeah. Trying to understand the world in a way that even the most supernatural claims of of people who are involved in magic and the occult, there's things like draw a pentagram outside your door so that evil spirits won't get let in or something like that, old traditions like that. All that's a very different world. That someone's living, and it's a different world in a way where it's a it's a it's a fundamentally more mysterious
0: world, right? In a certain way, right? yeah. And 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 that's in part like you you make by believing and entering into this kind of belief system your world then takes on a certain aesthetic a certain artistic look where there are spirits where there are dev and and imps and or or ghosts Mm -hmm. uh and angels and demons and and all of this and it's the very like feeling of the fabric of reality looks different in your mind and also emotionally yeah to wrap this up i think the moral of the story is: if you want to make art, believe in magic, or it's gonna suck.
1: It's true, and Daniel loves pro wrestling. And Daniel,
0: there's actually great animation about pro wrestling. Is there- I will say without a doubt, I love pro wrestling in anime. Nice. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Reenchantment. For those of you interested, Mike is also a music producer. He has a new album out on Spotify. Called Twilight Adorations for an Audience of One. Uh, you can find him on Spotify by searching Cracks in the Real, his artist's name. He shared the most recent album with me, and if you like haunting alternative classical music, then this is something you're not gonna want to miss. It is beautiful. Again, thank you for listening. I'll see you next time on Reenchantment.